Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachit Ketubot, daf Membet, page 42. But, 42, we're starting a new parak. We've started really a new parak at the very bottom of 41. And we didn't read this Mishnah yesterday, so we're going to do it now. Which is, of course, setting the tone, the pace for the next couple of dapim. Na'arash nitpata. Right, so here we have a young woman who has been seduced. So the she ends up with, with compensation, some kind of payment, right, for her humiliation and her degradation and also that fine, right? It all goes to her father. Vatsar bitfusa. And the the compensation for the pain that she endures, um, that would then go to him as well, right? Meaning it is going to apply the same to all of these different component parts of payment for this act that she suffers through. Meaning this is it until, it, even if she went to court, right? Meaning so now she's she's old enough, right? She's a na'ara, she's not... Aktana, she's uh, I don't know. We do, we haven't defined this in terms of age, but in terms of her, she's a young woman. She stands trial, right? She's going to take the stand against the rapist, whatever. And this takes place before the father dies. Then those payments go to the father. But meta'av, if the father has died, This is your dad. I'm guessing you're not loving this line very much. Um, <laughs> Nope, you can keep going. I have nothing to say here. Keep moving right. on. <laughs> it's one thing to say that the payment goes to her father, right? Because she hasn't kind of left his house yet. But in this case, he dies, so his house is no longer his house. And here it says that the, again, all this, these, the money for, for Boshin and Pagam and the Knas and so on. And if there would be Tsar, it all would then go to. Her brothers, because they are her father's heirs. So it's as if they got that money from the father, but he just wasn't there. It doesn't go through him. So it goes straight to them. Now, of course, the reason that we're you know having difficulty with this is because this woman who is not a minor, right, is the one who went through all of this. She is adult enough to take the stand or whatever, She's to be in the court, in the trial against the seducer or the rapist. And so to think that, not only does the does the payment for her own degradation and her own humiliation does it not go to her? It doesn't even go to her father because he's died. It's going to go to her brothers. You know, never mind what happens if she doesn't have brothers. That's not the point here, right? The point is that there's an establishment of the I don't know the the path of succession or whatever you want to call it, right? Who's who gets the payment in the event of payment? Fine. Now the Gemara goes on. I'm sorry, the Mishnah. So if she doesn't come to court, meaning the court event takes place after the father dies, not before he dies, then she would get the money to herself. Meaning part of this really is a matter of timing. And at what point is she considered out from under her father's or her father's roof, so to speak. And that would take place in the event that he dies prior to her standing on her own two feet in court, and then she would get the payment to, to, to her. It would it would not go to the brothers. 
So what happens? She has if she's part of the trial before she becomes bagra, before she hits puberty, right? She before she hits the age of majority. Let's say she's eleven. Let's say she's ten. Hare hein shall av. Then the funds would obviously go to the father. Meitav hare hein shall achin. If the um father dies, the funds would go to the brothers. Lohis pikala amod badin achibagra hare hein shalatzma. And even under those conditions, even if she doesn't get to stand in court before she reaches adulthood, meaning she's in court as a katana. And I, right, there's so many technical de- details here that I feel like you don't even stop to think about what that means, right? What that means is a really horrific kind of rape, right? So in that case, again, all of those monies, Boshet and Sarah and so on, they go to her, um, even if she's a katana still. Rabbi Shimon, and this is an interesting uh, position from him, I think, it says, if she, even if she stood trial in her father's lifetime and she doesn't collect those payments, he's died, meaning this is the very first case where the mission of first, the Tanakhama says, okay, this is going to go to the brothers. Rabbi Shimon says, no, no, it goes to her. Meaning, there's no brothers in this scenario, according to Rabbi Shimon. Fine. The last bit of the mission brings us to the top of our daf today. But as compared to these monies, these the fines and the pain and the again humiliation, degradation, all of this that comes from this act of rape, that in the event of the court awarding these monies, they would go to her, right? The Mishnah says the other types of money that she might have coming in, like earnings, or if she found some money that had belonged to her, uh, but she hasn't yet collected it, right? Then in the event that her father has died, that kind of money would go to her brothers, meaning those payments would have been considered... um, the, the question of what goes to the father and what goes to the father's estate, I think, is really the way to consider this question of when do, would she collect her own money and when does it kind of just keep going into the family household, let's say, but not to her directly. Fine. The Gemara wants to know, my Kamashmalan, my what is going on here? What are we, what is the Mishnah going to teach us here? Tanina, so we have, this, we've already learned this, this a couple of dabim ago, right? So what happens? We know that a seducer pays these three time, three kinds of payments, and the rapist will pay four. We've talked about this already before. Namely, again, humiliation, degradation, and the knas, the fine that the Torah really has set as a basic as a basic fine. Um, and then a rapist would also pet add um, would also add for pain, right? For tsar that she has suffered. La via So the Gemara says it's the Mishnah has to teach us that this money would go to the father because the intuitive sense is like we thought that it wouldn't automatically go to the father. The Gemara then says, no, La Via Nami Pshita. The Gemara says, of course the money's gonna go to the father. What's really interesting, according to the Gemara, or what's what the Gemara finds interesting, means that 
what's interesting to the Gemara is that the seducer pays these kinds of monies as well. And, you know, this goes back to the question, I think, Dana, you spoke about this, the, the question of why is the seducer having to pay any money to begin with? Right? Meaning, at the end of the day, and this is a really interesting discussion, at the end of the day, according to the Gemara, by virtue of her, you know, being seduced, she's acting out of her own accord, right? She's acting with consent. So then how can she com- claim that she should get any payment for this? So this came up briefly before, and I think that the very fact that the Gemara is talking about consent, even if it's not quite, you know, um, in a full-blown modern discussion, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, and then the Gemara says, I'm Dabadin, it's strictly Pelukta, so the Gemara says the reason that this Mishnah is there to list out all these cases, the main thing is to, to show us this dispute, this machlok between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbanan, the, the Tanakama there, to show that whether the whether the payments would go to the brothers or the, whether they would go to the woman herself. So the fact here is that the the Gemara, you know, at the end of the day, we accept that the that the mafateh, that the seducer. I'm sorry, the one who is seduced is still entitled to these payments, three out of four. Um, and this question of when does she collect on her own as opposed to going to other family members, I think is kind of part of this larger question of consent or or agency for your, on, your, on her own behalf. Um, we have a long daf, and there's a lot to talk about here. I could keep going just, you know, straight on down, but I'm going to hand it over to you, Yardina. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it is a pretty lengthy uh, Gemara here. Um, and, uh, you know, it gets into a discussion about, you know, an ashram, if you make like a false oath. Um, so there's a whole discussion about that. And and uh, they bring a brysa. Um, and so the question, whole discussion with Abaye, uh, about how to understand this particular brisa, maybe it was a case that already was brought to trial, or is the beginning only if it was brought to trial, uh, and so on. Uh, but essentially, what the Gemara has a very interesting comment here on Ahmed Bet, uh, where it, it it says the uh, following, and this is one of these things where, like, unless you understand exactly, you know, little biographical information, you won't really understand this stuff. So. Um, I'll just read the section right before here. Eitve, Rabbi Shimon Omer, right? So the Abai raises an objection from the last part of our Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon Omer, imlo hispika likbot ajemetav harehen shashel atzma. Rabbi Shimon says if the daughter didn't manage to collect the payments that she was owed before the father died, they actually belonged to her. But if you want to say that the fine is basically a monetary payment and that it basically can be inherited by the sons, right? After the trial, why does the money belong to her? Right? Because the trial took place, shouldn't it already be a property of the brothers? In other words, if theirs was a trial and it was found that the father was owed this fine, then this should just be part of the brother's regular inheritance because it's just a monetary obligation that's owed to the father. Why should she get it? So Amar Rava, so Rava says, Hi Milsa Kasha, 
So Rabbah says that this was basically a difficult issue, a lachic issue for Rabbah and Rav Yosef for 22 years. A solution, basically. Right? Until Rav Yosef became the head and he basically resolved it. So I wanted to just do a little bit of a who's who about Rav Yosef. He's Rav Yosef ben Chia. He dies around 333 CE. Um, obviously, he's a Babylonian Amora. What did he become the head of? It's the yeshiva and Pupedita. So remember, we've talked about before that there were sort of three major cities with academies with yeshivot in Babel, Sura, Nahardam, Pumpedita. He was only the head of it for two and a half years after the death of Rabbah. He's also a student of Rabbi Yehuda. Um, and often he's also a teacher of Abaye. We offer, often see him sort of in discussion with Abaye. Um, and one of the things that he was called is he was called uh, Sinai because he basically was like he knew all of the Torah, uh, all of the Torah itself. Um, and we also see not only did he know Halacha, but he also participates in, in Agadita and biblical exegesis. So he really, he had sort of like all skills. Like he could do, he could sort of do uh, basically um, anything. But this thing about the 22 years, part of what this is about is that actually, and this is from a Gemara and Brachos, is that actually he sort of gave up being the head of the yeshiva because he gave it over to uh, to Rabbah. Um, and so uh, we're going to see later on in Ketubot that actually he had 400 students. Um, and, uh, you know, so this is just, it's one of these like little small details that we see in the Gemara, uh, you know, that we, that, that don't necessarily, you know, you could sort of just like pass over it, but it actually fills in a lot for us about uh, Rav Yosef. And I don't know if part of what it's trying to say is, is that maybe this was something Rav Yosef almost purposefully didn't solve because he didn't want to embarrass Rabbah, um, you know, because it, it's interesting that the detail is he didn't, it didn't get solved by Rav Yosef until he became uh, the Rosh Yeshiva. Um, and Rabbah, just also to fill in, so he dies at around 320 uh, CE, somewhere around there, and he's Rabbah Bar Nachmani. Um, so, uh, and he was a Kohen, and is a student of uh, is a student of Rav Huna. And basically, what happened is is that when Rav Yehuda uh, died, who was the head of Pompadita, it was a discussion if Rabbah or Rav Yosef was going to take over. He went to Rabbah and he led it for uh, for twenty two uh, for twenty two years. Um, I just want to add one small, like a very tiny footnote, not even a footnote. The 400 students number, right? We know that the Gemara very often uses the word, the number 400. It says Lashon Guzma, like as an exaggeration. Right. It means, you know, a lot of students. It doesn't mean that they literally counted and came to exactly 400. Yes, I think that's important to know, right? It's sort of like an exaggeration uh, number. And Rabbah comes after them. So, you know, so it's Rabbi Yehuda. Then you have Rabbah and Rabbi Yosef. And then you have after that Rabbah and Abaye. So, uh, so when Rabbah says that, he's sort of reporting what happened in uh, in the generation, uh, you know, in the generation before him, right? And when Rabbah was younger, he was in Surah. That's where he, and learned with Rav Chista, 
Um, but later on, he learns in Pumpadita. Um, and Rav Yosef is one of his teachers. Okay, so this is where you sort of have to know some of the, um, you know, some of the biographies and geography of what exactly was going on in Babel. So just to finish up what was happening there, they didn't resolve this till Rav Yosef became the head, right? Shani Hatan. So there in the case of rape, right? The Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, he quotes a Pasuk here from Devarim, chapter 22, verse 29. Right? The man who raped her will give her, will give the young woman's father 50 shekels of silver. So the Torah basically entitles, you know, the money only from the time of giving. So in other words, what this is saying is that the father dies before getting the money. He does, he's not allowed to give it to his sons. Instead, the daughter takes his place as the plaintiff. And because she was the victim, basically she gets the money. And it's because of the benatan ha'ish, right? The, 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 the man who did this crime has to give it directly to the father. It doesn't go to the estate. So that's how they read this pasuk. And when Rabbah said that the fine imposed by the court is really just like a regular monetary obligation, right? And so therefore someone could, he could bequeath it to his sons. He wasn't talking about this particular case of a rapist or the seducer, but but rather to all of the other fines that have the status of sort of a regular uh, obligation. Um, and then the Gemara is going to go on to ask a little bit, uh, you know, some more questions about this. But again, just wanted to, I think this is a good dap to go over a little bit of Amoraic history and personality. And also how that, how that history and personality then becomes relevant to the discussion on the death. Right. There are those who take a, a completely ahistorical approach to learning Gemara. And I think that there's a, a forgive me, but I think there's something that like kind of gets flattened out in 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 that kind of learning, as opposed to being able to kind of, you know, flesh out the people and thereby understand the their positions and, and what they have to say in terms of halacha and so on that much better. Yeah. And I also want to point out, I think. It's interesting to see the Gemara sort of say that there was like a halachic conundrum for them that was difficult for them to resolve. Like we read this kind of like in real time in a way, and it looks like this was like a real time discussion. And I guess what I took out a little bit from this stuff is like, we're seeing sort of the answers of the solution, but we're not always seeing the effort that took place to solve some of these things. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 